Hello, and welcome to this episode of Sticky Note Marketing. I am your host, Mary Zarnecki, and I am thrilled to welcome Janet Casey, our guest expert on this episode. Welcome, Janet. I'm so excited to have you join us here on the Sticky Note Marketing Show. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. I'm excited. Well, as you know, uh, listeners, what I love doing is bringing you thought leadership, the experts who have insight into what's working now in terms of your marketing, your communications, your messaging. And today I'm thrilled because Janet has some really good insight, not only into female entrepreneurship, but also into the question around media that I'm constantly getting. So Janet, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your agency and, and what you do and where you've been? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it it is confusing to people. When people hire an advertising agency, they think of Don Draper and they think of Mad Men and they think of all the creative juices flowing and brainstorming and having a whiteboard. And we don't do any of that. So it's kind of funny. Like my own parents are still confused. I've owned this agency for 19 years and I don't think they can explain what we do. So what we do is after all of that creative is done, all of the ideation, all of the branding, we take that work and we put it out into market and we buy all of the media and we call ourselves the math of marketing because we take all of the budget information. We look at all of the platforms that are available and it's growing exponentially. And we look at the goals of the client and then we look at what the data and the machine learning is telling us. So we marry all three, those three of those things together into the math of marketing and we AB test platforms and campaigns and demographics and you know, all of that kind of stuff, which I don't think people think about when they decide that they want to run a campaign. No, I think so so often I get questions from people about the creative brief and the actual creative development or the copywriting, but all of that wonderful work doesn't do you any good if it doesn't get in front of the right audience, which is your zone of genius. That's right. And that is the sexy part. Like we handle sort of the geek part of it and we have a whole team of 33 geeks and nerds and they are all good eggs we have rock stars here but we do not handle the sexy part of it that's for sure i don't know i th- i think the geeky part is actually kind of fun and sexy so you know yeah, it's getting we there, geek right? out here on the sticky note marketing show yeah. <laughs> yes. terrific well tell me a little bit because i know we've got in the audience we've got um some women that have started their own businesses and and are always looking for Insights from those who have also yeah. done that. So when you started your agency, tell me a little bit about how that happened. What what made you decide to go into business for yourself? Well, this is a good place to talk about how that happened because I had worked in the broadcast television world for about 15 years. I worked for an ABC affiliate and an NBC affiliate, and I was in sales and I won a lot of awards and I loved my job. And when I say I love my job, I forgot to take vacation for like my first three years. I was so excited and I was doing so well. I literally forgot. I never, it never crossed my mind and I never felt like I was working a day. So that's really good. I, 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 it seems like I picked the right field and I majored in finance. I didn't major in marketing. So with college, I picked something much more fun than finance. But I was doing very well at the broadcast TV stations. They were all getting gobbled up by bigger companies. And I met my husband and I knew that I wanted to have kids. And I knew that I was in a place that was unfriendly to working moms, especially moms of babies and toddlers, moms that want to breastfeed. Like that was absolutely unheard of. I mean, that would have been crazy. There were a few women in the newsroom doing it and it was considered insane. Like they were in the public bathroom pumping. They were hiding behind a coat. 
pumping, you know, you know, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was, and so I decided that I would just go take a few of my clients who loved me, go on my own, consult with them and have some kids. And that was the end. That was my goal. I love it. So you actually crafted your agency around really supporting not just your business goals and your career goals, but actually your life goals, which I love. Yeah. So, no, yeah, that's so important. Today, I am a mom first. It comes first before this business, before the clients, before anything. And I just ran and picked up my kids, asked them about their day and came back to work. And I do that every single day at the same time, every day. I love that. And it's important too, because I'd imagine as the leader in your agency and your organization, you're setting a tone, right? Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about how you think about that, you know, crafting culture and really stepping up into that role as a leader for others. Well, we have, we have, a, you know, a handful of moms here. And I really think that if you want to get something done in life, you hand it to the busiest woman, you know, I've always felt this way, you know, women, you know, it comes organic to us to multitask and to literally have many, um, many things going at once and, and not just pivot back and forth, but to be running streams of important things at once. And I get very bored if I'm not doing it in my mind all the time. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of women here. We're north of 90% women. In fact, we just hired a man today. Um, oh, congratulations. I know. And I'm not, I told, I told some of my agency friends, I'm in a bunch of agency owner networks and they were all like, pass the smelling salts, you know, like, <laughs> What happened that you hired a guy and we hired him as a manager. So it's a really big deal. But, um, in, you know, I was in my early thirties and I knew I was not going to be a mom who sent their kid to daycare for 10 hours a day for 18 years and that kind of thing. So I went off on my own just to have a lot of flexibility. And now as we have this agency, we give people as much flex flexibility as the business and clients will tolerate. I've never, and knock on wood, I have never had a parent working here miss anything for their kids that I have ever known about ever. That's like, impressive. Right. They get, if there's a game, if there's a spelling bee, if there's whatever there is, even if it's last minute, we move heaven and earth so that they can do their thing. And I love that, that, you know, and you guys are not sacrificing success. So if you guys are listening wow. to this episode, I mean, Janet and her team know what they're talking about. I mean, you've gotten awards from Adweek, Inc., AdAge. I mean, these are not yeah. small organizations showing you that what you're doing is working. Well, the way I feel about it is I, my job is to take care of the staff, to give them the best continuing education that's out there and as much potential and possibilities and flexibilities. And they in turn take care of the clients. They put the clients first. I put them first. And it's really been a recipe to success for us. I love that. I love that. One of the most popular topics I teach workshops on is that customer client centric marketing strategy. And it's true when you really put the focus on them, it does come back. It really does. It really does. So now I know you've also been growing, obviously hiring new staff, but you're also now working on a global basis, correct? Yes. It's so exciting. So 2022 has been a big year for us in so many ways. We went through a formal agency reorg because we grew from 1 million to 2 million to 4 million to 8 million to 12 to 20. And we're up to $25 million now in a short number of years. Sure. So I've owned the agency for 18 and for 19 years, but we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have the goal of scaling at all until the last probably five years. Once my kids weren't little anymore, I was ready because I had, I have four kids and I have two twins and I have 
a son who was on a feeding tube for three years and has had many um, health issues and they're all doing great today. Mm-hmm. But if we look back more than a handful of years, my focus was on my kids. So, sure. you know, all the time. So now we're ready to scale. And um, I have two kids that want to be in marketing maybe someday because they think it's fun. Two kids that want nothing to do with it. So that's probably a healthy balance. Right? Yeah, I like that. 50-50. <laughs> but we've really, really scaled quickly. And the magic of scaling quickly is keeping the really good talent that we have here and putting them first. So a lot of people... We have all good eggs here. We have rock stars. We have people that are lifelong learners. They're ambitious. They have a growth mindset. And that's really been the key to our success. I love that. So really. Oh, so global, global campaigns. I almost, oh, yeah. Tell me about the I almost global got situation. lost in the sauce there. Yeah. So in 2022, we did an entire agency re- reorg. We had to pump the brakes to have the infrastructure of our company catch up to where we are in terms of revenue and AGI. And um, we named a COO, we named vice presidents, we put like our big pants on. And then um, when we got back to sort of back to our knitting, we had, um, we have a, we won a global account and we are now handling their campaigns in 50 states and six countries. And our metrics are beating their former agency. I think two months in, we beat the former agency by a double digit percentage in cost efficiency. So it was a really... It's really feather in our cap, and I'm quite proud of the team here because I did not do that. They did. I have to say that's a huge that's a huge oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. So we're proud. I like that. So in terms of expanding globally, what do you think was one of the keys to success with that? Yeah. So I think for that particular account, they were very impressed with our metrics in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They knew that we hadn't run any campaigns worldwide, but we kind of took them through an analysis of what we could improve, what we could improve immediately mm-hmm. globally. And we thought that it would make a big difference. And because they had confidence in us here and we were in the trenches with them, um, they said, let's try it. And it paid off for all of us. That's fantastic. Yeah, but asking you know, the right question sounds like was one of the things that you guys do really well is actually inquiring, getting curious and, and digging in with them. Yeah. And you know, for anybody out there who's an entrepreneur, if you have that one client that trusts you implicitly, who you've proven yourself to, that's what you need to launch yourself to the next level many times over. I have many of those clients over the years and they are worth their weight in gold. And, you know, we led them with the data and we led them with best practices and we led them with metrics. So that's what the world is about today. It's about marrying all your silos of machine learning and letting the machines work for you. I love that. Well, let's speaking of data, let's geek out a little bit. Yeah. So for all the business leaders, whether they're managing a brand for an enterprise or whether they're leading their own business, what are some of the questions they should be asking when it comes to attribution and data strategy? That's, that's, that's a wonderful question. And, you know, my hat is really off to CMOs and brands today because they are overwhelmed. The world is changing so quickly for us, um, all of us in the media space. You know, we've gone to very few channels. If you go back like 20 years uh, through TV, radio, outdoor, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. to the advent of the internet, to all of social hitting, to now there's podcasts and serious and, you know, all, you know, there's, when you wake up in the morning, there are way too many options and there's a lot of places to burn through money ineffectively. Mm-hmm. And CMOs and brands, there's no way to keep up with what's happening. We have our staff spends about 20% of their time on continuing it. 
and we have a whole st- system of how we do it. We have people sample it first, and then we have it bring it back, bring it back to pockets of teams, and then we bring the best learnings back to the whole team. But it's it's impossible to keep up with what's happening in media, and there's a lot of money to be wasted. You know, literally the difference between being 60% efficient and 100% efficient is is a little bit of knowledge that's mm. just beyond what the average person is doing. So um, what almost every brand is sitting on their own zero party data and their own first party data. And that is what people give to you voluntarily. You know, when somebody signs up for your newsletter, when they buy their pro- your product, they put in their name, their address, their email, that, that data you own. And if you're not leveraging it at a, at a very basic level, if you're not leveraging your zero and first party data, you have some work to do to catch up. So that's what I would say, you know, to all brands and all CMO. If you're if it's not a part of every campaign, and by every campaign, it can even be part of television now because with the advent of smart TVs, mm-hmm. you can target people through TV, which you were never never able to do before. So your zero party and your first party data should already be to work for you. Now, if we go past that, we can buy third-party data, which really makes advertising efficient. And I can give you some examples. Like if you're, if you are just because I'm talking to you, it kind of comes to mind. If you're, if your demo is working moms, mm-hmm. and you already have a list of working moms, and let's say you, um, you know, your product is something that working moms need, you can also buy lists to complement the list that you already have and you can feed them into your campaigns. And we do a lot of that for our clients. We look for all the different personas in our client's demographic and we buy data to complement everything that makes a persona unique. And we A-B test the campaigns from there. It's very complicated. It's like when you open a Google Analytics, which a lot of people have done, and you realize you can pull this data 300 ways <laughs> and it gets very overwhelming and you don't know what's meaningful and what isn't. Mm-hmm. That's what our team is doing every day. They're A-B testing all sorts of configurations and they're letting the machines do it as well. I love that. And one one thing that really stood out to me in what you said was that you have to trust the experts, right? The reason someone brings you in is because exactly what you said, they can't keep up with it. It's changing too much. And you're investing in your team's education to know what's working now. So what do your, like, what do your best clients bring to you? So obviously the first party data, but I imagine there's, there's things that your good clients are able to empower you with information up until a point and then trust you to take it from there. What do they need to bring to you to be successful? Yeah, the best clients we have give us some of their team members to roll up their sleeves and strategize with us on a regular basis. Mm. Because as an agency that's not internal, we can bring your campaigns to new levels. But then to bring it beyond that, we need you in the trenches with us. You know, once a week, a few times a month, we need to brainstorm with you. We need to show you the A-B test. We need to give you some intel on your competitors' campaigns from what we can see. And we need all of your insight from the brand or from the CMO. And it always brings it to the next level. That's fantastic. Yeah, because that that blend, I'd imagine, of you guys really understanding the channels and the audiences and being able to interpret that data. Yeah, and you know, an ongoing conversation that we have with our brands and our clients is that a lot of them... Um, look at last click attribution. So if I talk to, if we talk to our customers and we say, what are your best platforms? Most people will say Google search mm-hmm. because if, if, if your client sees a billboard or if your client sees an ad on Apple TV, or if your client sees an ad on, 
you know, YouTube, if, if your client sees an ad on Facebook, often then they'll go Google it and buy it from there. But that's not how they found out about your product. Exactly. The sales funnel comes down to, down to Google search and down to that final touch attribution. But the magic is in the top layers of the funnel and it's called multi-touch attribution. Where does your client touch you on the way down the funnel that creates a preference at the bottom, at the Google search level, where when they put in, you know, um, let's say, um, you know, attire for working women, when they put that in there and all the different brand co- brands come up, what makes them pick yours? Is it because you created preference at the top of the funnel? And that's, those are the kinds of things we study with our clients and we can't know it all from here and the brand can't know it all for, from where they are. So it's really a marriage of the two. And that's something you're able to do though, that multi-touch. Oh yes. Oh yes. With programmatic and, you know, there's a lot of things where we can see where they first saw the ad on Facebook, but they didn't act, they didn't engage. Then they were served a programmatic ad and they poked at it again. And then they went to Google and bought it. And we can see the whole journey at this point. There's very few secrets, Mary. (laughs) And we all know that, by the way, ads follow us, right? Well, I love it, though, because as a consumer, even well, first of all, as a marketer, I love it because it's brilliant. But as a consumer, I would much rather be given ads or communications that are relevant to me. I don't really need to see, you know, Viagra. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you. I have friends that are creeped out and they're pulling out Alexa and they, they're shutting everything off. And I, I have the same gut feeling you do is I want to see ads that are relevant actually. Right. Cause I know I'm going to get ads. I might as well. Yes. Get the ones I want. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Do you remember just 10 years ago when the Viagra ads chased us everywhere? Everywhere. Everywhere. I was like, just cause I like the color blue is not. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's so funny, but I love that. Cause I mean, we did not have that power. I mean, when I started in marketing 20, 25 years ago, we would have begged for that ability oh, to understand. I know. Yeah. And don't you feel like it went to, there was no data to there's way too much. Yes. Like I can't dig my way out of it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. So if someone is feeling just overwhelmed by the data or am I doing the right attribution models? Am I, what are some of the first things that they need to do? What are the first steps that you'd recommend that they take? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would recommend besides, you know, hiring a media agency like us, if they want to sort through it themselves is to go back to the very basics, Mm -hmm. understand, go back to your website traffic, understand where your website traffic is coming from. That's always a good first step. You can see, is it coming from a link and Facebook or digital, are people filling in the name of your company? If so, they probably saw a billboard or a broadcast ad or a million other things. I always say, start with the basics, back the bus way up and start there. And with, in a matter of no time, you'll be lost. I mean, you will <laughs> go down a hundred rabbit holes, but having a good foundational understanding of the seasonality of your website traffic, the seasonality of your sales, where people are coming from, what pages they're spending time on, all of that is invaluable. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I also get the question a lot from, I was just thinking about this, the way you were talking about going back to basics. I've had this question from, from a couple of clients recently about, well, how much planning do I really need to do, right? If, if I'm hiring the experts, what do I need to bring to the table? And are you on the, are you, are you kind of in the camp of, okay, I, they need to bring me the objectives. I want to know what your objectives are, what your strategies are, and then help me 
help you figure out what the tactical level execution is going to look like? Or what would you ideally like to see them do in terms of planning before they even bring you into the conversation? Yeah, we love to plan with our clients. We have access to a lot of paid research as a media planning company and a medium buying company where they come in with their planning and we take it to the next level, usually times 10. Because if you don't subscribe to certain paid platforms, you do your planning based on assumptions. You know, you have your data and then you have assumptions about what's happening in the economy and what's happening in consumer preferences and how has COVID affected, you know, my industry and people's access to, to money and all that kind of thing. So we like some clients come in with nothing. Some people come in with historicals, really good clients come in with their cursory planning. And then we help them take that, you know, to, to the next level and beyond. Fantastic. I like that. So really bring you in as that's being formed. Yes. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I know that um, there's so much more we could talk about today, but we'll have to do an episode part two where we get a little, we'll do it again next time. And we'll talk about women entrepreneurs and all that kind of thing. Yes. A hundred percent. So before we wrap up today, is there anything, any parting thoughts that you have for our audience today, thinking of what they may be facing when it comes to either media buying or as a female entrepreneur, really stepping into that leadership role in their organization? Yeah. So, um, women stepping into the leadership role, I'm my advice. And we have this hanging in our bathroom here. It's hard to beat someone who's overprepared. <laughs> and I have lived by that, especially when I'm in a room where I'm not the big cheese, I will be the most prepared person in that room because even if it all goes South, um, and even if it's intimidating, and even if, you know, you don't know what other personalities you're dealing with in the room, if you have the most information, it will go well for you every time. If you're a good natured person and you have a lot of information and you're gracious and generous, it will, it will be good. I like it. I love it. Always be prepared. Yes. <laughs> <We're> prepared. <laughs> yes. It's hard to beat someone who's overprepared. I love it. That's a Barbara Co- Cochran quote from Shark Tank. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. I'm officially putting that up on the wall. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Janet, for sharing your insights and your experience and all of your advice with our audience today. Thank you. And your podcast is amazing. I listened to so many episodes and I want to encourage everyone to subscribe and share it. It really is good, good talk that you have here. Thank you. I appreciate that. And yes, if you do find value in any of the information that we share here, definitely subscribe, like, comment, leave reviews. We always love to hear what you're finding valuable. So Thank you again, Janet. I can't wait to hear more from you. And where should people go to find out more to follow up with you if we've sparked some questions or or follow-ups they want to have with you? Awesome. So my handle on LinkedIn is Janet-Casey. And people can go to mymarketingdoctor.com. The contact form on there comes straight to me. And I am also active on LinkedIn, Facebook, almost everywhere, Twitter. Fantastic. Okay. So we're going to put the links to your personal profiles as well as uh, my marketing doctor in the the show notes here. So make sure to follow up with Janet, ask questions. And I know they've got a ton of great information as well. So I highly encourage you to sign up over on their website. Awesome. Thanks, Mary. Absolutely. All right, everyone. So hopefully you filled up your sticky notes with lots of valuable points today. If you didn't make sure to re-listen to today's episode, make sure to grab that sticky note and a pen and join us for our next episode where I bring you the experts, the thought leaders, and those who know what is working now for your marketing and to grow your business. So I will see you on the next episode of Sticky Knit Marketing. Cheers.